Blog Talk Radio. All right, sports fans, how's everybody out there doing? William Martin coming at you one more time here on blogtalkradio.com with another edition of the 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge Show. As always, I want to take this time out to thank all of you fine folks out there for tuning in this evening. And as always, the guest call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. And on this wonderful evening of October 7th, pardon me, September 17th, 2017, I can gladly once again tell the world that Miss Runner's baby boy is back on the air. Now, one down and 16 weeks to go, and of course, we saw some exciting and fun-filled action last week in week number one of the 2017 National Football League season, and you had those teams that were able to get the victory that were heading into week number two looking to build off of that momentum while you had those squads that fell short of getting a victory in week number one, and they were trying to get on track here in week number two. But two teams who did not have that problem heading into week number one, pardon me, week number two as far as like trying to get some momentum going for themselves, it's going to be the Dallas Cowboys and the Denver Broncos. Both of these teams were victorious at home last week. You had the Broncos who got the best of the Los Angeles Chargers on Monday Night Football, and then you had the Dallas Cowboys who got the best of the New York Giants on Sunday Night Football. But typically when you get the Cowboys and the Broncos together for a game, it generally is must-see TV. Why? Because you're talking about a Denver Broncos team that has three Super Bowl championships, and you have the Dallas Cowboys who have five. And on top of that, both of these teams have each made eight Super Bowl appearances. And then, of course, back in the 1977 NFL season, both of these teams did meet in Super Bowl number 12. Granted, the times have changed from that, but both of these teams still have Super Bowl aspirations heading into the new season. And it was the Broncos that got things going early when quarterback Trevor Simeon found wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders from from 10 yards out early in the first quarter to give Denver the early 7 to nothing advantage. Now, the Broncos were moving the football, and they had to settle for a Brandon McManus field goal attempt, and he missed and Dallas was looked like they were going to get something going. And they finally did put together a quick drive when quarterback Dick Pratt, Dak Prescott connected with wide receiver Des Bryant from three yards out to not the score at seven apiece. But this Dallas defense simply could not stop the Denver Broncos. More importantly, they couldn't stop the Denver Broncos running game throughout and the Broncos ran the football effectively with C.J. Anderson, and it set up their second touchdown of the game as quarterback Trevor Simeon connected with Anderson from 16 yards out to give Denver the 14-7 lead. Denver would build off of that just before the first half as Simeon connected with wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders again, this time from six yards out, and the Broncos were up by the score of 21-7. to A Dan Bailey 56-yard field goal just prior to the end of the first half 
uh, cut the Broncos' lead to 11 as Dallas would go into the dressing room down 21-10. to But the second half simply belonged to the Denver Broncos in each phase of the game. They took the opening kickoff and marched down the field methodically on a 15-play, 75-yard drive, which was capped off when Simeon connected with tight end Virgil Green from two yards out to make it 28-10. to Later on in the third quarter, Anderson would put this game away with a 23-yard run to make it 35-10, to and Denver would go on to get the 42-17 to victory today. And you look inside of the numbers, credit to this Broncos defense as they limited this Cowboys offense to just 3 of 14 on third down, while Dallas possessed the football for just about 26 minutes. And the, the Cowboys, they did not have their bread and butter today, and I'm talking about their running game. As a team, Dallas was limited to just 40 yards on the ground. Most importantly, Ezekiel Elliott was limited to eight yards on just nine carries. On the flip side for this Broncos offense, Trevor Simeon was efficient as he was 22 of 32 passing for 231 yards with four TDs and a pick. But you look at this running attack from the Broncos as they got the Cowboys defense for a buck 78 on the ground with 118 of those coming on the legs of C.J. Anderson. And of those four touchdown passes that Simeon threw, two went to Emmanuel Sanders. And I look at this game like this. It was a phenomenal game plan in each aspect for the Denver Broncos as this stout defense went out there and they took away Dallas's running game, and they forced Dak Prescott to beat them with his arm in the pocket. And Dak still is not comfortable doing that. And you look at this Dallas Cowboys defense, they were feeling pretty good about themselves, about shutting down the Odell Beckhamless New York Giants last week. But I guarantee you the Broncos saw that film and the Broncos' offensive line just basically punched the Cowboys' defensive line in the mouth. Denver won this game when the trenches on both sides of the ball, and that is a big reason why they are 2-0. and Now, for the Dallas Cowboys, you got to go back to the drawing board, and you got to figure this out quick because you basically got punched in the mouth today by, by a good team, and they took away your strengths and they really exposed you. So going forward, a lot of Dallas Cowboys opponents definitely are going to try to go out there and take away Ezekiel Elliott, easier said than done, but they're still going to go out there and do it in the attempts to try to make this team a little more one-dimensional and make Dak Prescott beat them with his arm. Now you look ahead to week number three for both of these clubs, Denver will have their first road game of the season when they'll be on the road to take on the Buffalo Bills. While for the Dallas Cowboys, they will find themselves on the road next Monday night in the desert against the Arizona Cardinals. Now, there was one team that was seeking to get on track today, and that was the New England Patriots. The defending Super Bowl champions opened up at home last Thursday night against the Kansas City Chiefs. And the Chiefs were rude guests to them as Kansas City dominated the second half en route to a shocking and very convincing 42-27 to victory. But anytime you give Patriots head coach Bill Belichick additional days to prepare for a team, especially after a loss, 
the Pats can be very devastating as the New Orleans Saints found out this afternoon. New England would take the opening kickoff and march down the field on a crisp 10-play 75-yard drive, which is capped off when quarterback Tom Brady found running back Rex Burkhead on a 19-yard pass to give New England the 6-0 lead as place kicker Steven Guskowski would miss the extra point. It was 6-3 to three later in the first quarter in favor of New England when Brady found tight end Rob Gronkowski from 53 yards out to give the Pats the 13-3 lead. New England was not done there in the first quarter as just before that frame ended, Brady found wide receiver Chris Hogan on a 13-yard touchdown pass to put New England in control 20-3. New, uh, New Orleans would attempt to come back as early in the second quarter, quarterback Drew Brees connected with Brandon Coleman on a five-yard touchdown pass which capped off a nine-play, 80-yard drive to make it 20-10. to 10. It was 20-13 to 13 late in the second quarter when the Pats put together a six-play, 75-yard drive, which was capped off by a two-yard run from Mike Gillisley and a Gostowski field goal as the first half ended gave New England the commanding 30-13 to 13 lead heading into the locker room. The Saints would be valiant, but to no avail as the Patriots just basically appeared to be on a mission today as they would go on to win this contest today by the score of 36 to 20. And you look at the Saints defense, they could not stop New England all game long as the Patriots put up 555 yards of total offense. Tom Brady was a typical Tom Brady as he was 30 of 39 passing for 447 yards or three TDs and no interceptions. His counterpart, Drew Brees, was not that bad as he was 27 of 45 for 356 yards. And you look at the receivers. Rob Gronkowski was, had six receptions for a buck 16 with, uh, with, uh, one, t- with one TD. And for Gronk, you know, he went out of this game with a groin injury but he was still a force uh, before the injury. Of course, James White was still efficient coming out of the backfield as he had eight receptions for 85 yards, while Chris Hogan had five receptions for 78 yards himself. And you look at this Pats defense, they still were not stout. And, you know, that's tough to be when you're going up against the New Orleans Saints in that Superdome, but they simply found a way to make enough key plays, and now New England is at 500. And for the Patriots, basically, you know, it's the same old song. This team does not panic after they lose. Everybody else is ready to write this team off and say Tom Brady is old, this is going to be it, and all they do is come back and they embarrass teams following a defeat. And that is a credit to Bill Belichick. As long as I have watched football, I have never seen a head coach who better prepares his team to come back after a loss than Bill Belichick. And that's all about mental toughness. That's all about, and, and it's a trickle-down effect on his team. You see how Tom Brady never gets too down on himself. He gets frustrated in his performances, yes. He gets frustrated when his teammates on offense aren't able to step up and make those key plays, and it's because he wants to win, but he never gets too down to the point that he does not think that New England can go out there and be successful, and you see that week in and week out, and it showed up once again for the Patriots this afternoon. 
And for the Saints, it's the same old song. Your defense has let you down once again. <clears throat> you could not stop the Minnesota Vikings on Monday Night Football with their rushing attack. And now you had to get ready for Tom Brady, and you could not stop him either. So now for the fourth consecutive year, New Orleans has begun the year with a record of 0-2. And for New Orleans, they will be on the road next Sunday to take on the Carolina Panthers, while for the New England Patriots, they will be at home next Sunday afternoon to host the Houston Texans. Folks, as always, the call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. Now, the Philadelphia Eagles got a road win last week against the Washington Redskins to begin their season, and they would find themselves on the road again this time at Arrowhead Stadium to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, the Chiefs head coach is Andy Reid, and, of course, prior to becoming the head coach in Kansas City, he was the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles for 14 seasons. Now, granted, Reid's last season with Philly was in 2012, and the majority of those players that were on that roster in 2012 are no longer with the club. Now, the Eagles are now led by a familiar face in Doug Peterson, who once upon a time was a quarterback for the Eagles, as well as being an offensive assistant under Andy Reid. And this game had the makings of a good one because you have a Philadelphia Eagles team that is young and hungry, led by quarterback Carson Wentz, while you have a Kansas City Chiefs team that is still flying high after what they were able to do on the road last week against the New England Patriots. But it was the defenses that reigned supreme in this one early on as Kansas City took a 6-3 to lead into the locker room at the half after two field goals from Cairo Santos. But in the third quarter, the offenses would get it going as late in the third, Carson Wentz found wide receiver Alshon Jeffrey from 16 yards out to give Philadelphia their first lead of the game at 10 to six Kansas city would immediately respond as Kareem hunt, the running back who torched the Patriots on opening night came back and had a 53 yard touchdown run today to put Kansas city back in front by the score of 13 to 10. It was 13 apiece midway through the fourth quarter when Chiefs quarterback Alex Smith found wide receiver Travis Kelsey in the end zone from 15 yards out to give Kansas City the 22-13 advantage. And with just over two minutes left in the game, the Chiefs were able to salt this game away as Hunt scored on the second touchdown of the game, this time from two yards out to make it 27-13. Philly would score on a late touchdown with eight seconds left when Wentz found Nelson Aguilar from from nine yards out but it was too little too late as Kansas City went on to get the victory today by the score of 27-20. And you look inside of the numbers for Carson Wentz, he was 25 of 46 passing for 333 yards with two TDs and a pick. But this Kansas City uh, defense was all over him like a cheap suit as they had six sacks today against Wentz, three of those coming from Chris Jones. Now on the flip side for Kansas City, Alex Smith was 21 of 28 passing for 251 yards and a TD, and he was able to pull this off in spite of the fact that he was sacked four times by this Philly defense. But you look at the run game for Kansas City. They had a buck 12 on the ground. 81 of those came from Kareem Hunt. Of course, he had those two big runs. And for Philly, it's never a good thing if your quarterback 
is your leading rusher. But as far as receiving goes, it was all about the tight ends. Zach Ertz of Philadelphia had five receptions for 97 yards, while Travis Kelsey, the poor man's Gronk, had eight receptions for a buckle three with a TD. And Alshon Jeffrey is really beginning to get that chemistry with Carson Wentz as he had seven receptions for 92 yards and a TD. But you look at Kansas City right now. This team has to be flying high. They went on the road and had their way with the New England Patriots. They came back home and beat a good Philadelphia Eagles team today. And I'll tell you right now, after two games, Alex Smith is the leader in the clubhouse as far as being the NFL's MVP. Jim Harbaugh started it, and Andy Reid is just adding to that as far as, you know, turning Alex Smith into a solid NFL quarterback. Once upon a time, he, he, he appeared to be a bust. After that, he appeared to be a solid game manager. Now you're talking about a guy that is a legitimate MVP candidate, and that all comes down to coaching. Now, for Philadelphia, you got to feel good about yourself, and the reason why is this. You're one and one You had your first two games on a road. You got a victory within the division. Now you know that eight of your final 14 games are going to be at Lincoln Financial Field. You have a young team. They're coming, and they've shown that they can hang in these games. They showed that they can win a tough one last week on the road against Washington. They gave Kansas City all that they could handle today. And if you're Philly and Doug Peterson, like I said, you have to be feeling really good about yourselves for the remainder of the season. Now, you look ahead to week number three for both of these teams, and as the schedule goes, Philly will be at home for their regular season home opener as they'll take on the New York Giants, while Kansas City will be on the road to face the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, both the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Minnesota Vikings were able to give victories in week number one. Pittsburgh's eked out a victory on the road against the Cleveland Browns, while Minnesota got the best of the New Orleans Saints on Monday night football. But today was different as this game was going to be in the Steel City, and it was revealed that the Vikings were going to were not going to have the services of quarterback Sam Bradford, as it was going to be Case Keenum that got the start under center. But it really didn't matter because the Steelers' offense was clicking early as quarterback Ben Roethlisberger connected with Martavis Bryant from 27 yards out to give Pittsburgh the early 7 to nothing advantage. It was 7 to nothing early in the second quarter in favor of Pittsburgh when Roethlisberger found rookie wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster from four yards out to give Pittsburgh the 14 to nothing lead. Now, it was 17-3 early in the third quarter when the Vikings were finally able to put together a scoring drive which was capped off by a one-yard run from C.J. Ham. Kai Forbath's extra point missed, and it remained a 17-9 lead. This Pittsburgh defense after that would basically close the door on this Minnesota Vikings offense as they limited them to just 237 yards of total offense, and Pittsburgh would cruise to the 26-9 victory today. And you look inside of the numbers for this game, Case Keenum did as good as he possibly could do as he was 20 of 37 passing for 167 yards. Ben Roethlisberger was efficient as he was 23 of 35 passing for 243, while Le'Veon Bell is beginning to get it going as he had 87 yards today on 27 carries. And, of course, after Dalvin Cook had that big rookie debut on Monday night, 
versus the Saints. It was a different tale today against the Steelers as he was limited to just 64 yards. And this was a big victory for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You get Martavis Bryant back now. Of course, he missed the entire 2016 season and he's an impact player in the passing game and he takes a lot of stress off of Antonio Brown because with Brian out there you cannot double team Antonio Brown as much and then on top of that now you're starting to get Le'Veon Bell going the fence picked it up today with their pass rush led by Bud Dupree and these were important last week and this week were important victories for Pittsburgh it wasn't pretty last week against Cleveland And, you know, they went out there and they really took care of their business today against the Vikings. But, you know, over the past few years, Pittsburgh has had a tendency to play down to their opponent. So that's why it was really important for them to just simply go out there, take care of their business, get it done. And like I said before in the preseason, Pittsburgh has to find a way to keep up with New England and do whatever it takes to do it. Because last year we saw Pittsburgh give games away. And that is what uh, led to them, you know, having to be on the road for the AFC championship game. And honestly, they didn't even get a first round bye. So, you know, if you're Pittsburgh and you really want to be a serious Super Bowl contender, you want to go out there, you want to take care of the business against the teams that you're supposed to take care of business against. So you can put yourself in the best possible situation to win in January. Like I said, I would not be surprised if this would be Ben Roethlisberger's last season. So if you're a Pittsburgh, it's a, it's a steam, I'm going to sound a little repetitive here, but you got to go out there and you got to TCB and take care of your business. Now, you look ahead to week number three for both of these clubs, and for the Pittsburgh Steelers, they will be on the road to face the Chicago Bears, while for the Minnesota Vikings, see what is looking out for and with the Purple Gang in week number three, they will be at home against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Folks, as always, the call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. Now, the Washington Redskins suffered a very tough home loss last week in week one against the Philadelphia Eagles, and they were looking to bounce back on the road today against the Los Angeles Rams. And for the Rams, they were flying high. Why? Because the Rams dominated the Indianapolis Colts at home last week by the score of 46 to 9 and the Rams defense really stepped up they forced a lot of turnovers the young quarterback Jared Goff looked efficient and he was able to run to a part of me the Rams were able to run the football and dictate the pace and now it was time to see if this young team was going to be able to build off of that however The Redskins had different things in mind today as it was Washington that really went out there and dictated the pace. It was 3-0 in favor of the Skins going into the second quarter when Chris Thompson scored on a seven-yard run to give them the 10-0 advantage. It was 13-0 in favor of Washington when the Rams' offense finally woke up as they put together a quick four-play 75-yard drive, which was capped off by a one-yard run from Todd Gurley to make it 13-7. It was 13-10 late in the second quarter when Chris Thompson scored on a 61-yard touchdown run to give Washington the 20-10 lead heading into the dressing room at the half. But midway through the third quarter, Jared Goff would connect with Todd Gurley on an 18-yard pass 
to get the lead down to three or the deficit down to three, rather, as Washington was leading at this point by the score of 20 to 17. L.A. did come back to tie up the game midway through the fourth after a Greg Zerline 40-yard field goal. But late in this contest, Redskins quarterback Kirk Cousins found Ryan Grant on an 11-yard pass to make it 27-20. to And on the Rams' ensuing drive on the very first play, Goff threw an interception, which sealed the contest. And Washington would go on the road this afternoon to get the surprising 27-20 to victory. And in this game, the Redskins beat the Rams at their own game because they played better defense. They dominated the line of scrimmage as they possessed the ball today for more than 36 minutes. And a big part of that was Washington's running game as they had 229 yards on the ground. Robert Kelly had 78 of those, while rookie Samaje Pirine chipped in with 67 yards on 21 carries. And you look at this game for Washington, and it's a credit to head coach Jay Gruden because he went back to the drawing board, and his team did not run the football efficiently in their home loss last week against Philadelphia, and he went back and he made the running game and the running attack a focus this week in practice as he was looking to improve this club. And for the Los Angeles Rams, it's plain and simple. You had a very big victory last week at home versus the Indianapolis Colts. Granted that the Colts are not a good team, but if you're a young squad like the Rams, you have to find a way to build off of that. And unfortunately for the Rams, they were unable to do that, and that's why they took a huge step back, and they were beat at the at the point of attack. And if you're going to take the next step, and if you want to be a playoff team, you have to find a way to build off of victories. You can't get too high on victories, and you can't get too low on the losses. And it's still going to be a, you know, still going to be a work in progress for this club going forward. But if you're Washington, it's a big-time victory as you were able to go on the road and get yourself a much-needed victory today here in week number two. Now, you look ahead to week number three for both of these clubs, and Washington will be at home on Sunday night when they host the Oakland Raiders while the Rams will find themselves in week number three. It's a quick turnaround for them as they will be in Santa Clara this Thursday night to take on the San Francisco 49ers. Now, in the AFC South, you had the 0-1 Tennessee Titans making the trek to Jacksonville to take on the 1-0 Jacksonville Jaguars. And Jacksonville is looking to do something that they have not done in a very long time which has begun the season with a record of 2-0. and But after a defensive first half where it was all about the field goals and Tennessee led 6-3 to at the half, they dominated the second half. It was 9-3 to in favor of the Titans midway through the third quarter when second-year running back Derrick Henry scored on a 17-yard run to give Tennessee the 16-3 advantage. The Titans would not take their foot off of the throttle as later on in the third quarter, tight end Delaney Walker scored on a one-yard run to make it 23-3. And early on in the fourth, Tennessee was able to put this game on ice when quarterback Marcus Mariota connected with Jonu Smith on a 32-yard screen pass to make it 30-3, and Tennessee would go on a cruise this afternoon to the very easy 
2-16 victory. And you look inside of the numbers for this contest, and it was all about the running game for Tennessee as they had a buck 79 on the ground with 92 of those coming on the legs of Derrick Henry. Marcus Mariota was 15 of 27 passing for 215 yards, but his counterpart, Blake Bortles, was 20 of 34 passing for 233 yards with a TD and interception and two picks. And after rookie running back Leonard Fournette was able to gain 100 yards on the ground in his NFL debut last week versus the Houston Texans, he was limited to just 40 yards today. And you look at the Jaguars. They showed a lot of progress in week number one against the Houston Texans as their defense really stepped up and made things happen. They were able to run the football effectively, and in being able to run the football effectively, they kept the football out of the hands of Blake Bortles. That was not the case today as Blake Bortles was a typical Blake Bortles, and because of that, Jacksonville lost. And in the process, he heard the Boo Birds because this is a guy – Going going forward, I think, you know, his days are numbered as a Jacksonville Jaguar starting quarterback. I mean, you look at this team, they're showing progress early on in the season, but if you're not going to have quality quarterback play or even solid quarterback play for that matter, it doesn't matter as it really is going to limit what you are able to do as a team. And for the Tennessee Titans, this was a good bounce-back victory for them. They lost last week at the, against the Oakland Raiders at home. And for Titans head coach Mike Malarkey, he got back to the team's bread and butter, which is playing, you know, good quality football on offense, which means running the football to set up your play action passing with the quarterback Marcus Mariota. And they did that today. And that is what is going to keep the Tennessee Titans potentially in line for a postseason spot is their ability to run the football. Now, next Sunday, it is a quick turnaround for the Jacksonville Jaguars as they will be at Wembley Stadium in London, England for a 9:30 game here on the East Coast when they will take on the Baltimore Ravens. And for the Tennessee Titans in week number three, they will find themselves at home to host the Seattle Seahawks. Folks, as always, the call-in number is going to be 626 231 Zero three zero nine. I repeat, six two six two three one zero three zero nine. Now, one of the biggest shocks in week number one was going to be the Baltimore Ravens, and the fact it wasn't as much that the Ravens were able to go on the road and get a victory versus the Cincinnati Bengals, but it was more about the fashion in which they were able to do it, as they simply dominated the Bengals and shut them out to cruise to the twenty to nothing victory. And they were going to be hosting the Cleveland Browns, who last week found a way to hang in there at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers, but they just could not get over the hump. And that was the case once again today. The Browns played tough, but late in the first quarter, the Ravens were able to get on the board as they put together a quick seven-play, 33-yard touchdown drive, which is capped off by a four-yard run from running back Terrence West. Now, midway through the second quarter, Baltimore was able to expand that lead as quarterback Joe Flacco found running back Buck Allen on a nine-yard touchdown pass to make it 14 to nothing. Cleveland was game as midway through the second quarter, Kevin Hogan found tight end David Njoku from 23 yards out to cut Baltimore's lead in half at 14 to seven. But it was a heartbreaker 
for Cleveland as just before the first half ended, Flacco found wide receiver Jeremy Macklin from two yards out with one second left to make it 21-7. to And that was all that Baltimore would need this afternoon as they went on to get the 24-10 to victory. And you talk about this Ravens defense. Granted, the two teams that they have not played, that they have played this season so far, aren't that good, rather. Uh, but, but for Baltimore's defense, they have limited their opponents to just 10 points. They shut out Cincy, and they, they limited Cleveland to 10 points a day. They forced five turnovers. Three of those interceptions came from rookie quarterback Deshaun Kaiser and another one from Kevin Hogan. You look at Joe Flacco, he was efficient with a 24 of 34 performance for 217 yards with two TDs and a pick. Baltimore had 136 yards on the ground, and like I said, I talked about that defense. They simply kept coming after the Cleveland Browns all afternoon. And if you're the Ravens, you know what? You're 2-0, and you got to feel good about yourself because you're flying under the radar. Nobody's talking about you. You're 2-0 in the AFC, and more importantly, you're 2-0 in the AFC North. That is the biggest thing. So, you know, Baltimore, they they had an opportunity late last season to get to the playoffs, but they lost their final two games. And because of that, you know, they finished 8-8 eight and eight and they had to watch the postseason from home. So you want to try to go out there and get these early season victories. And more importantly, now you're 2-0 in the division as you try to keep up with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And for the Cleveland Browns, it's the same old song. You know, you're close, you're close, you're close. But at some point, this young team has to grow up for head coach Hugh Jackson if they expect to be a factor. But that is still not the case. As the Cleveland Browns, they simply don't know how to get over the hump. And until they figure it out, Cleveland's going to be game, but they're not going to be game enough to win these contests. I talked about the Baltimore Ravens, and they will be in Wembley next Sunday morning to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars, while Cleveland will find themselves on the road to take on the Indianapolis Colts. Now, down in Charlotte, you had the 1-0 Carolina Panthers hosting the 1-0 Buffalo Bills. And for anybody out there that had either one of these uh, starting def- uh, defenses rather on their fantasy team, they really came out smelling like a rose today because this was a defense game from the start as Carolina limited Buffalo to just 176 yards of total offense. And Carolina wasn't that good themselves. They were limited to just 255, but they did possess the football today for nearly 39 minutes. Now, it was 9-3 to late in the fourth quarter in favor of Carolina, and Buffalo did have an opportunity to win this game when Tyrod Taylor's pass on fourth down did go awry as his receiver dropped the football and Carolina would escape with a 9-3 to victory today. And like I said, neither one of these teams were efficient on offense as Tyrod Taylor was 17 of 29, 25 passing rather for a buck 25 with no TDs and no picks. Cam Newton was 20 of 32 passing for 228, but this Buffalo defense was all over him like a cheap suit today as he was sacked six times. Carolina could not get their running game going as they were limited to just 77 yards on the ground uh, with Jonathan Stewart leading away with 40 yards. And for Buffalo, it wasn't that much better as they just had 69 yards in the game on the ground. And like I said, it typically is not a good thing when your quarterback is your leading rusher. And that was the case today as Tyrod Taylor had eight carries for 55 yards 
while LaShawn McCoy was limited to just nine yards on 12 carries. But like I said, you look at these defenses today and how they really stepped up. Julius Peppers, old man Pep, who was back for his second stint with the Panthers, did have two sacks, and Carolina found a way to hold on for the 9-3 to victory. And for the Panthers, I look at, I look at them like this. They're 2-0, and and for me, this season has an eerie feeling from what we saw from Carolina in 2015, and the reason for it is this. If you go back to that season, Carolina started off, they, their victories weren't pretty. They were against teams that they should have beat. They were close games. They were defensive-minded games, and they just found a way to hold on and get the wins. And the next thing you know, 2-0 was 5-0. 5-0 was 8-0. 8-0 was 10-0. And then all of a sudden, they had the momentum going for themselves, and they were steamrolling, and they were feeling good about themselves. I'm not saying that the Panthers are going to go 15-1 and this season, and I'm not saying that they're going to get to the Super Bowl. But it does have an eerie feeling because these victories are not pretty. But pretty doesn't matter in the NFL. It's all about going out there and getting your hand raised consistently on Sunday afternoons. And Carolina was able to do that once again today. And for the Buffalo Bills, you know, I, I understand that they have a new head coach in Sean McDermott. But it's the same old song for Buffalo. You play tough, you play good enough to win, but you don't find a way to win. And that is the thing that has held Buffalo back from getting to the postseason for the longest time. You have to go out there and you have to find a way to win these contests. And until you do, you're going to be a team that hovers around 500 potentially has a shot to sneak into the postseason with a Week 17 victory and you typically don't pick it up, and you're going to have a fan base that's frustrated. So, like I said, it's the same old song for the Buffalo Bills. Now, you look ahead to Week number 3 for both of these clubs. Buffalo will be at home to host the Denver Broncos, while Carolina will stay in Charlotte, this time to host the New Orleans Saints. Folks, as always, the call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. Now, the Miami Dolphins had been displaced by Hurricane Irma that really did a lot of damage to the state of Florida to the point that their, their week one contest with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was postponed. And on top of that, Stephen Ross, the Dolphins owner, just had his team go out to Los Angeles and stay there until their first game of the season, which was today when they took on the Los Angeles Chargers in Carson, California. And this marked the Chargers' first home game in uh, the L.A. area since 1960 when they began in the AFL. And you looked at this game, and there, you, of course you expected there to be some excitement, and granted there should have been for the Chargers' first game back in the L.A. area. And they came out solid. They had a 10-3 to lead at the half. I mean, Miami would get pick it up and get it going in the third quarter when they took the opening drive and marched down the field on a 75-yard drive, which took just seven plays, and it was capped off when quarterback Jay Cutler found wide receiver Kenny Stills from 29 yards out to not the score at 10 apiece. 
but the Chargers would be unfazed as they would come right back and answer with an eight-play, 77-yard drive of their own, and it was capped off with a vintage Philip Rivers to Antonio Gates touchdown pass to make it 17-10, to and in the process, Antonio Gates was able to reel in his 112th career touchdown grab, which is now all-time for tight ends in the NFL as he surpassed Tony Gonzalez. Now, it was 17-13 to heading into the fourth quarter, and the defenses really stepped up, but it was most notably the Dolphins' defense that really stepped up and made it happen. Sandy, I knew I was going to slip up at some point, and I did it today because I just called him San Diego, but L.A. never took the opportunity to put the Dolphins away. And Miami kept chipping away and chipping away as Cody Parkey connected on his third field goal of the game midway through the fourth from 35 yards out to make it 17-16. to 16. And then Miami would get the ball back. Phillip Rivers would put them in scoring position. And with just over a minute left, Parkey connected on his fourth field goal of the game, this time from 54 yards out, to give Miami their first lead of the contest at 19-17. to 17. Now Rivers would attempt to rally the Chargers, and he drove them down the field for the opportunity to kick the game-winning field goal. And in the waning seconds of the game, Young Hoo had the opportunity to win, but for the second straight week, he missed a game-winning field goal. And thus, the Chargers' first game in Los Angeles did not have that vintage storybook ending as they fell to the Dolphins today by the score of 19 to 17. And you look inside of the numbers, and for Jay Cutler, he was 24 of 33 passing for 230 yards with a TD and no picks, while Phillip Rivers was 31 of 39 passing for 331 yards with a TD and no picks. Chargers really didn't have a ground game going, but that could not be said about the Miami Dolphins as Jay Ajayi, who was a bell horse or bell cow running back last year, rather, for the Dolphins, picked up right where he left off from as he had 122 yards on the ground on 28 carries. Jarvis Landry was a one-man wrecking crew for Miami as he had 13 grabs for 78 yards, while Devontae Parker had four receptions for 85 yards. This Dolphins secondary really had their hands full today as Chargers wide receiver had Keenan Allen had nine receptions for 100 yards, while tight end Hunter Henry had seven receptions for 80 yards. And if you're the Dolphins, you can do some damage with this formula because Adam Gase, since he has taken over as a head coach of this team, he has been committed to running the football. And when he did that last year, he took the football out of the hands of Ryan Tannehill. And instead of having Ryan Tannehill go out there and try to win the game, Ryan Tannehill's job was simply not to lose the game. And that is what we are seeing right now with him and Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler knows this system from his time with Gase with the Chicago Bears. And now he's just picking up right where he left off from. And he's going out there and Jay Cutler has the opportunity to play some of his best football this season because of that. And for the San Diego Chargers, and I did it again, for the Los Angeles Chargers, you know, it's that same old song as they simply find ways to lose these games. And this is not just something in 2017. 
It's not something from 2016 or 2015, for that matter. This goes back years, as this Chargers organization simply cannot get out of their way. And I know that there was a lot of excitement for the Chargers coming to L.A. this year. But if you're the folks in L.A., when the Chargers were in San Diego last year, they were 4-12. and And it was kind of like the same old thing. They played good enough to win, but they simply did not find a way to win those contests. And it's sad because you have a potential Hall of Fame quarterback in Phillip Rivers and a Hall of Fame tight end in Antonio Gates, and still this team cannot win. And it was, it's been the same thing throughout the Chargers' history. I mean, you look at some of the great Hall of Famers that they've had suit up for them, and you would think that the organization would have more success but they simply have not. And it's rearing its head once again here in 2017, and I don't think it's going to get any better anytime soon for this club. And you look ahead to week number three for both the Chargers and Dolphins, the Chargers will be back at home next Sunday afternoon to host the Kansas City Chiefs, while for Miami, they will be on the road to take on the New York Jets. And speaking of those Jets, they had their hands full heading to the Oakland Coliseum to take on the Raiders this afternoon. And this was a bitter, sweet home opener for the Raiders as it was announced in the spring that this team is set to move to Las Vegas in a few years. So it was going to be interesting to see how the fan base out there in the Bay Area came out to support this club. But make no mistake about it, the Raiders do have a solid team, and it did not take them that long to flex their muscles as late in the first quarter, quarterback Derek Carr connected with wide receiver Michael Crabtree on a two-yard fade pattern for the touchdown to give Oakland the early 7-0 lead, and this capped off an 11-play, 81-yard drive. Now, early in the second, the Raiders would continue to add to the misery of the Jets as Carr found Crabtree again this time from 26 yards out to make it 14 to nothing. The Jets were game, and they attempted to try to make it a contest, as on the ensuing drive, quarterback Josh McCown found wide receiver Jermaine Curse from 34 yards out to make it 14 to 7. It was 14 to 10 in favor of Oakland late in the first half when Marshawn Lynch scored on a two-yard run to give Oakland the 21-10 advantage. It was 21-13 late in the third quarter in favor of the Silver and Black when Cordero Patterson scored on a 43-yard run to make it 28-13. And late, or pardon me, early in the first in the fourth quarter, the Raiders were able to put this game on ice when Jalen Richard scored on a 52-yard run to make it 35-13. to And Oakland would go on the cruise this afternoon to the 45-10 victory. And you look inside of the numbers for this contest, Josh McCown, the Jets quarterback, was 17 of 25 for 166 yards with two TDs and no picks. But he was sacked four times by this Raiders defense. Derek Carr was had a clean game as he was 23 of 28 passing, 230 yards, three TDs, no picks, and most importantly, he was not sacked. And it was and it was all about balance today for the Raiders. As aside from the 230 yards passing that Carr had, the Raiders had 180 yards on the ground. I talked about the three 
touchdown grabs that Michael Crabtree had, and he had six receptions for 80 yards. So if anybody had him on their fantasy team today, I guarantee you that they had to be happy. And if you're the Raiders, you know, you're just going out there and you're taking care of your business. And I think this is a credit to head coach Jack Del Rio. He knows what's going on around this organization, and he's just simply trying to go out there and keep the white noise out and allow his team to go out there and concentrate and focus on what they need to do on the football field. And this club is definitely doing that right now as they're going out there and winning football games. This is their first 2-0 start to a season since 2002, which was their last Super Bowl year. So if you're the Raiders, you hope that this is a good omen of things to come here in 2017. And for the New York Jets, the expectations were extremely low for this team heading into this season, and so far they are living up to that. The Jets lost last week on the road against Buffalo. They really did not show up this afternoon against the Oakland Raiders. And at this point, if the Jets win two games this season, I will be highly surprised. Now New York will have their home opener next Sunday afternoon when they host the Miami Dolphins, while Oakland will be on the road on Sunday night football when they take on the Washington Redskins. Now, like the Miami Dolphins, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are dealing with their own issues in the aftermath of Hurricane Irma. And, of course, they were supposed to play the Dolphins in week number one. And with that game being postponed to week number 11, Tampa Bay was off in week number one. So this was their regular season opener today when they hosted the Chicago Bears. And it was late in the first quarter, and Tampa had a 3 to nothing lead when quarterback Jameis Winston found wide receiver Mike Evans from 13 yards out to give Tampa Bay the 10 to nothing advantage. Midway through the second quarter, Jaquiz Rogers punched it in from one yard out to give the Bucks the healthy 17 to nothing advantage. And this game was subsequently put on ice later on in the second quarter when Robert McClain picked off Bears quarterback Mike Glennon and returned it 47 yards for the touchdown pass. Nick Folk's extra point was no good, but it did not matter as Tampa Bay went on today to get the dominating 29-7 victory. And you look inside at the numbers in this contest, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' defense was stout as they forced two sacks from Mike Glennon today, who was 31-45 of 45 passing for 301 yards. Jameis Winston was 18-30 of 30 for 204 yards with a TD. Tampa did have 117 yards on the ground, while they limited Chicago to just 20 yards on the ground. And it was a big game for Mike Evans as he had seven receptions for 93 yards. And if you're Tampa, you were 9-7 and seven last year. You were very close to, gain, to earning a postseason berth, and you fell just short. And this is a young Bucks team, so you want to try to come into the season and be able to build off of that. And you go out there and you pick up a victory against a team that you're supposed to beat in the Chicago Bears. And not only did you beat them, but you went out there and you found a way to embarrass them. And that is what the Bucks did today. They took care of their business early. They took, a, they took a team that they were supposed to beat, and they put them out of their misery early. And because of that, they got a good victory, which they can build off of. Now, for the Chicago Bears, you were game last week at home versus the Atlanta Falcons, and you wanted to try to build off of that, and I think it would have been easier to build off of that had the Bears been able to get the victory, but unfortunately for their sake, they were unable to. 
But getting back to today, the Bears simply did not compete, and that is really tough to digest with a John Fox-led team. But this is going to be the struggle for a young team because they have to find out who their leaders are. And right now is when your leaders step up and your leaders go out there and say, you know what, we are better than this and we're going to find a way to win. So going forward, I'm really interested to see who are going to be the guys to step up for the Bears. But this is a team that definitely has their work cut out for them if they intend to be successful here in 2017. Now, you look ahead to week number three for both of these clubs, and Tampa Bay will be on the road to take on the Minnesota Vikings, while Chicago will find themselves in week number three at home with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Folks, as always, the call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626 626- Two three one zero three zero nine. Now, after the Seattle Seahawks suffered a road loss in week one versus the Green Bay Packers, you almost expected them to bounce back very easily against the 0-1 San Francisco 49ers as the Niners don't have any good projections for them for this season, but that was not the case as this was a defensive struggle throughout. It was 6-6 to at halftime as Robbie Gold connected on a pair of field goals for the Niners while Blair Walls connected on a pair of field goals for the Seattle Seahawks. And it was midway through the fourth quarter. San Francisco actually led this game by the score of 9-6, and Seattle would score the only touchdown of the game when quarterback Russell Wilson found wide receiver Paul Richardson from nine yards out to make it 12-6. to Walsh's uh, PAT was no good, and it was 12-9. to And Seattle found a way to hold on today at home by the score of 12-9. to And you look inside of the numbers, the Seahawks defense really had their hands full with 49ers running back Carlos Hyde, who tore them apart for 124 yards on the ground on just 15 carries. But you look at this Niners off uh, passing game, which was non-existent, as Brian Hoyer was 15-27 to passing for 99 yards with no TDs and a pick while he was sacked twice. Russell Wilson didn't have the best of games as he was 23-39 of passing for 198 yards with that one touchdown, no interceptions, and he was sacked three times. Seattle was able to get their running game going today as they had 131 yards on the ground with 93 of those coming from Chris Carson. And I talked about the Seahawks defense as they were able to limit uh, what the Niners were able to do through the air. And of course, that is a testament to that Legion of Boom defense. But if you're the Seattle Seahawks, this definitely was not pretty. And we've seen them in the past few years when their favorite big against an opponent that they should dominate. They have their struggles. And right now, Seattle's offense has not found their groove. They have not gotten into a rhythm. I know it's early, and Pete Carroll's teams with the Seahawks, they tend to be second-half clubs. So that is something, if you're Seattle, you have to look forward to. They've started off slow the past few years, and come coming down the stretch, they've known – how to pick it up and how to get it going. And if you're the Seahawks, you want to try to 
you know, keep 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 that tradition going because right now offensively it's not pretty. You scored one touchdown in two games, and this was a team that you were supposed to dominate, and you simply uh, could not do that this afternoon. And for the Niners, this is a step in the right direction because they lost at home last week against the Carolina Panthers in a contest in which they were dominated, but they came back and they showed a lot of fight today. And if you're the 49ers, you just got to try to find a way to win these games, get some momentum for yourself, and try to change that culture in the locker room. And I'm like I said before, it's hard to believe that it was only five years ago that this team was competing for the Super Bowl. They are actually in the Super Bowl. So, I mean, John Lynch, the Niners general manager, definitely has his work cut out for him. And the same thing can be said for head coach Kyle Shanahan. But the fact that they were able to compete and be right there with the team today that is expected to win the NFC West this year, I think that said a lot for them. Now, for San Francisco, it's a quick turnaround as they will host the Los Angeles Rams this Thursday night, while for the Seattle Seahawks, they will find themselves on the road next Sunday afternoon in Nashville versus the Titans. And finally, it was the 0-1 Arizona Cardinals traveling to take on the 0-1 Indianapolis Colts. And after the Colts were embarrassed last week on the road versus the Rams, you had to wonder how would they respond at home today against a Cardinals team who appeared to be in control for the first half last week versus the Detroit Lions, only to see things come apart for them in the second half. But this Colts team did respond early as they got an early touchdown with a five-yard run from veteran running back Frank Gore to make it 7 to nothing, and they were actually up 10 to nothing after one period. It was 13-3 in favor of the Colts early in the fourth quarter, and it appeared that they could find a way to put this game away, but Arizona was finally able to wake up and get their offense going. As midway through the fourth quarter, Carson Palmer connected with wide receiver J.J. Nelson from 45 yards out to make it 13-10. to Now, a Phil Dawson field goal later on in the fourth would tie the score at 13 apiece, but Arizona actually had a chance to win the game in regulation. Phil Dawson attempted a 42-yard field goal, and he made it, but Colts head coach Chuck Pagano called the timeout to ice him, and, of course, what happened on the retry Dawson missed it, and this game went to overtime. Now, Indianapolis would win the coin toss for overtime, and they, of course, would take the ball. But on their first uh, offensive play from scrimmage, quarterback Kobe, uh, Kobe Brissett was picked off by Cardinals defensive back Tyron Matthew, who set uh, the Cardinals up in great field position. And this time Dawson was true as he connected from 30 yards out to give Arizona the lead, not only the lead in their first lead of the game, but it was also a good victory for them as they found a way to win by the score of 16-13. to And the reason why I say good victory is because if you're Arizona, you had your first two games on the road this season. Granted, this was the team in the Colts that you should have beat as they don't have the services of Andrew Luck right now. But this was a game that you were barreling down the road of losing, and 0-2 was a harsh reality for the Cardinals. And I say good victory because they somehow found a way to pull it out in the end and get victory because 0-2 would have been too much for them to uh, possibly overcome the season as far as getting a postseason berth. Now, for the Colts, you were game. They put up tremendous fight after they were embarrassed 
last week at the hands of the Rams, but it simply was not good enough this afternoon. Jacoby Brissett was 20 of the 37 passing for 216 yards with no TDs and interception, and he was also sacked four times while Jack Doyle led the receiving core with eight receptions for 79 yards. Chandler Jones had two big sacks for Arizona today, while Carson Palmer was 19 of 36 passing for 332 yards with a TD and a pick. But if you're Arizona, you just like Seattle, you're, you're still trying to find your groove. And they still have not played a complete fourth quarter game. In week number one, it was the first half that they dominated against the Lions. The first half of the day, they were dominated by the Colts, but they simply found a way to hang around. Now, if they play a better team and they play like they did in the first half, today it definitely is not going to work out for them. But if you're the Colts, you're 0-2. Nobody's running away with the AFC South, so your best hope is that Andrew Luck is able to return from injury sooner rather than later. And I guarantee you if he does come back, everybody within his organization will be looking at him as the savior. Now you look ahead to week number three for both of these clubs and for Arizona, they will be hosting the Dallas Cowboys on Monday night, which should be very interesting because it it will be their home opener. While for Indianapolis, they'll be back at home next Sunday afternoon, this time to take on the Cleveland Browns. So folks, as always, the call in number is going to be 626-231. 0309. I repeat, 626 231 Now, looking ahead to week number three, things get started off this Thursday with an NFC West showdown as you're going to have the Rams traveling to take on the Niners. And after the Rams look so good in week number one, their defense was really carved up by the Redskins' running attack. And I think the Rams are going to be a little bit more physical in the trenches for this contest. Of course, Baltimore and Jacksonville will get it on at Wembley Stadium next Sunday. And for Jacksonville and quarterback Blake Bortles, this is a home game for you. So if Blake Bortles stinks it up, he doesn't have to worry about the fans over in the U.K. booing him like like they would be if he was at home in Jacksonville. It's going to be the Denver Broncos taking on the Buffalo Bills. And this might be a game where the first team to 20 wins as we've seen a solid Buffalo defense so far. And we know what the Broncos can do with their pass rush, which is led by linebacker Vaughn Miller. It's going to be an NFC South showdown next Sunday afternoon as you're going to have the New Orleans Saints traveling to take on the Carolina Panthers. And after starting 0-2, the last thing that the Saints can do is begin the season 0-3. But I've got a secret that I want to share with Saints head coach Sean Payton. Get Adrian Peterson the football. you got the Pittsburgh Steelers with a record of 2-0, and they're going to be traveling to Soldier Field in Chicago to take on the winless Chicago Bears. Pittsburgh has already opened up as a 7.5-point favorite over, over Chicago Like I said before, Pittsburgh, they simply tend to play down to their competition, and it'll be interesting to see if that remains the same next Sunday. Now, at Ford Field in Detroit, 
you're going to have the Atlanta Falcons taking on the Detroit Lions. Now, of course, the Falcons are playing right now on Sunday Night Football at home against the Green Bay Packers, while the Lions will be on the road tomorrow night to take on the New York Giants. And you have two of the highest-paid players in the league going at it in this one more than likely, as you're talking about Falcons quarterback Matt Ryan and Lions quarterback Matt Stafford. Now, next Sunday in Indianapolis, it's the winless Colts taking on the winless Browns. And if something doesn't get fixed for the Colts real quick, they will be joining the Browns in regards to picking in the top five of the NFL draft next spring. So the loser of this game could have the inside track to one of the top picks. You're going to have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers playing their first road game of the season when they travel to take on the Minnesota Vikings. And for the Vikings, they have to find a way, number one, to get back to rushing the football effectively. But defensively, they have to find a way to slow down Bucks quarterback Jameis Winston. The New England Patriots will be at home to take on the Houston Texans. New England has already opened up as a 12-and-a-half-point favorite. Why? Because, number one, Tom Brady looked like he was Tom Brady today, while Bill Belichick, the Patriots head coach, has always been successful against rookie quarterbacks, which does not bode well for Deshaun Watson. You're going to have the New York Jets with their home opener next Sunday as they will take on the Miami Dolphins. And with the expectations so low for the Jets this season, it will be interesting to see if they are able to have a sellout crowd at MetLife Stadium for this one. It's going to be a classic NFC East grudge match as you're going to have the New York Giants taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. And like I said, the Giants play tomorrow night against the Detroit Lions. But if you are the Giants, the last thing that you can afford to do is be 0-2 and heading to Philadelphia for this one. You're going to have the Seattle Seahawks traveling to Nashville to take on the Tennessee Titans. And at some point, the Seahawks offense has to get going. So why not next Sunday against the Titans? But the Seattle's defense, after giving up so many yards on the ground today against the 49ers, will have to be weary of the Titans' rushing attack next Sunday. It's going to be the Cincinnati Bengals traveling to Lambeau Field to take on the Green Bay Packers. The Bengals are 0-2, and they have fired offensive coordinator Ken Zampezi. But the bottom line is, will this Bengals defense be able to slow down Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers? In L.A. next Sunday afternoon, you're going to have the Chargers hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. And right now, Kansas City is looking good. I expect the Chargers to put up a fight. But like I've said before, at some point, you have to find a way to win these contests. And then on Sunday night, you're going to have the Oakland Raiders in the nation's capital taking on the Washington Redskins. And after the Redskins found their running game today, they'll try to go out there and shove the football down the throat of the Raiders. But at the same time, they've got to find a way to slow down the Raiders' offense and quarterback Derek Carr. And then finally on Monday night football, you're going to have a battle in the desert as you're going to have the Dallas Cowboys taking on the Arizona Cardinals. And after Dallas's running game was shut down today, they have to get back to being physical at the line of scrimmage. And I expect to see a heavy dose of Ezekiel Elliott in this one. So you're looking at the AFC East standings right now, and Miami is in first place. Of course, they only played one game so far this season, while both Buffalo and New England are 1-1. One and one and one. But Buffalo does have the slight edge due to the fact that their one victory did come within the division. Now, in the AFC North, 
both the Ravens and Steelers are 2-0, and while the Browns and the Bengals are 0-2, and it seems like to be a familiar theme as the Ravens and Steelers have been the class of this division for a very long time. Like I said before, nobody's going to run away with the AFC South. Indy's 0-2, but everybody else is 1-1. So if the Colts can somehow get their act together sooner rather than later, they have a puncher's chance in this division. If you're the Chargers, things are not looking good because you're 0-2 and everybody else in this division is 2-0. But make no mistake about it because at some point the Broncos, Chiefs, and Raiders have to face each other. So this is going to be in a very exciting race this season in the AFC West. In the NFC East, the Giants want to try to keep up with the Joneses as the Cowboys and Eagles both lost today while the Redskins won So everybody in the division is one and one, and if you're the Giants, you definitely don't want to fall behind at 0-2. Now you look at the NFC North, and Detroit is 1-0 right now, while Green Bay is 1-0, but the Packers are having having their struggles as we speak on Sunday Night Football with the Atlanta Falcons, while the Vikings are 1-1 and the Bears are 0-2. In the NFC South, it looks like Carolina – I mean, it doesn't look like it. They are two and zero right now, but it does look like Atlanta will join them at two and zero, while Tampa is one and two, and the Saints are zero and two, and things could get ugly for them very soon down in the Bayou. The Niners are zero and two, and I don't expect them to be a factor in the NFC West this year, while everybody else is one and one. But at some point, the Seahawks and Cardinals should be able to flex their muscles and make this a two-team race in this division so folks that is going to wrap it up and as always i want to take this time out to thank you for tuning in to the 300 pounds of sports knowledge show here on blogtalkradio.com now i'll be back on the air the same time next sunday night at 9 p.m eastern 6 p.m pacific this time i will be discussing or uh, recapping rather all of the action from week number three in the nfl season now if you're on twitter please feel free to follow me at 300 pounds of sports. And like I always say, if you follow me, it will be my pleasure to follow you right back. Also, there is the Facebook page at 300 pounds of sports knowledge. You can check it out and you are more than welcome to like it as well. You can also check me out on 300 pounds of sports knowledge.com where I am the total sports package for the total fan. As always, much love to 150 pounds of sports knowledge. She knows who she is, and without her, none of this good stuff that you are hearing is possible. And as always, much love to my wonderful daughter, Penelope. And like I say, it's a pleasure to see her grow and grow and grow and grow on a daily basis. So once again, fine folks, my name is William Martin. Take care. Have yourselves a good night. And thanks once again for tuning in to the 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge Show here on Blog Talk Radio. Dot com.